0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show
1: description to support now.
0: Hi, hello, how are you? It's Daryl. And welcome to episode 22 of Cage Rage, a Nicholas Cage podcast. How are you? How's your week been? Well, mine, let me tell you, I've got a serious rager and we'll get into why. We'll get into why, because I know you're interested. But let's get the nitty-gritty out of the way first. The weekend, Ian, obviously. What does he ask me to do this week? Let me tell you. Seven o'clock, he knocks on my door, his stupid red face, he looks me in the eye and says, Daryl, I'm going away for a weekend. Can you take my bin out? And I felt this rage build inside me as I looked him in the eye, and I said, yeah, no worries. And then I scowled at him, As he fucked off back into his house. So I took his bin out. Because I'm the bigger man with the bigger hog. And don't you forget it, right? And then he comes back. And guess what? He's got a stupid red face. Because he doesn't put sunscreen on it. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of looking at his stupid red face as he sits on his little varnished bench. I'm tired of it. But you know what I'm not tired of? Another Nicolas Cage film. Now... Interestingly, if you've seen the uh, artwork for this week, we're doing things a little bit differently this week. I'm very excited uh, to bring in, not one, but two honorary ragers, friends of the podcast, joining me on the train to True Cage Nirvana. Three wise men, perhaps if you will, just like the film. And I'm going to bring them in to you now, joining me this week. Joe Benavides, Fred Holmes, welcome to Cage Rage Nicholas Cage podcast. How are you?
2: Great to be here, mate. Really, really excited. Yeah, it's, it's a pleasure. I'm, I'm excited.
0: That's all we can ask. If you're excited, your hogs are ready, and you're ready to rage. Throbbing, mate. Throbbing. And that's exactly what we want on the uh, on the journey to true cage nirvana. We go from little nubs to gigantic hogs, glowing gold as the sun. As the god himself, but one day he will stand before us and we will nibble on his hog like a goddamn corn cob. So, to give a bit of background to the listeners. Um, now, I am a cage connoisseur. I have a cardboard cutout of the man downstairs that I bless three times before I leave for work every morning. So my question to you, just to start, first and foremost, and in all honesty, are you fans of the greatest actor of our generation, Nicholas Cage? Well, I mean it's a bit of
2: a stupid question, but I mean we all are, but I think, you know, on your level maybe probably not, but um you know, I think we're all we're all here to learn, we're all on a bit of a journey. Um mm-hmm. and uh yeah, I, I think we just have to take Cage one one film at a time and just, just learn his mind, learn his process and just hope that we can get on his level by the end of it.
0: That's all we can ask, and I Appreciate your honesty and your willingness to learn. Fred, yourself.
1: Well, that's it. I'm a, I I want to get on the train. Um, I've been a fan of the podcast since the start. I think in general, I is quite inexperienced coming into this, but I'm learning more about him. I'm admiring the hog, and I want to continue to do that. hog.
0: It is the best hog in the business that they say. He is the hog of Hollywood. The Holly Hog. I've heard him called down the allotments. And I'm glad that you're here, I'm glad that you're willing to learn, because this film, quite frankly, was um, too big for just one person to take on alone. So we've all watched, we've all compiled our notes on the 1994 Christmas crime comedy caper Trapped in Paradise, starring, of course, Nicolas Cage. He plays Bill Furpo, starring alongside John Lovitz and Dana Carvey, as his brothers Dave and Alan. It was uh, written, directed and produced by George Gallo, but it means nothing when you compare him to not only the 13 time Fall Guys champion, but collectively between us, we have 17 Fall Guys championship wins. Um,
2: Zero coming from, from me, just to point out.
0: But don't worry about it because we're all on a level playing field here.
2: Collectively, Joe. Yeah.
0: Collectively. Just, just like the Three Wise Men, just like the Furpo brothers, we're all in this together and we're going to pull off the podcast heist of the century just like they did in the film. Um, Now to quickly go over the film before we dive into things a little bit more, Uh, this stars Nicolas Cage as Bill Furpo, one of three brothers, apparently going straight, and now fresh out of prison, Alvin and Dave pull their brother back into a life of crime with the promise of an easy bank heist. However, things go quickly awry when Alan gets, or Alvin I should say, we'll cut that out, don't worry about it, When Alvin gets lost in the getaway car, leaving the brothers, lost in the suburb of Paradise, Pennsylvania, on Christmas Eve, with an absolute wad of cash. Suspicious police on one side, hospitable townsfolk on the other. Could a change of heart and a lengthening of hog be in the distance? So, before we get into this one, I appreciate this is probably going to be one of those Nicolas Cage films that not a lot of people have seen. Um, Had you heard of this film at all before I told you what the situation was going to be.
1: Never. Absolutely not, Um, me.
0: And I wouldn't expect you to. But that being said, what was your introductions, if you remember to Nicolas Cage, how did you first come to learn um, of the greatest actor of this generation?
1: Well, I've got to think back to maybe when I was like eight years old, and I think I just remember seeing a film it was probably you know one of the classics like face-off or something and i'm sure we'll get to that one day and also had a really good time watching that and then my next mem- memory is actually with yourself once upon a time watching it on a friday night maybe with a, fr- a few um, cracks. and it wasn't as good whatever the film was i can't remember um
0: I have a feeling we might have watched, or maybe we did the double, for some reason I think we might have watched Deadfall, we might have watched Vampire's Kiss, because I remember yeah. it being outlandish and ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Naturally.
2: you know. Um, Naturally. How about you, James? My, um, mine was actually um, Con Air.
0: Great start. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, watched that when I was younger, and just seeing him on the plane with his long hair just blowing in in the desert wind it was just just one of those moments that you'll never forget and also then as fred said um going to the um nicolas cage losing his shit video was just obviously the, yeah, of the, course. the, the turning point for for most of us to to get him really on on our radar and and uh that did yeah. it uh... That drew drew me in because I I I thought he was actually like pretty serious. I I watched him like I like like National Treasure like as a film. I Actually, quite like it, and I thought he's all right. Like he's just, uh, but then when you see when you delve into his previous work, you just realise that he's 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 got many layers.
0: (laughs) He's done a lot. He's been around for a long time, and he's proves as well. He's award winning. He's Disney approved. And not many people could put that on their repertoire. Fair. Yeah. And hopefully we'll get National Treasure Three. Is it as well? Uh, the rumours are circulating that National Treasure Three
2: is it like page something? Page forty. Something, I swear the second one was like um, um, like a missing page of a book. It ended at the end or something like that, and there was going to be like a third one based on that, like missing page. Or mm, I, I think they're
0: looking for his lost dick pic or something like that. Definitely Disney-approved material. And I'm all here for it. Um, Now, speaking of Trapped in Paradise, going back to that, you've watched the film. um, Very respectfully, I will add, you've compiled notes. You've taken this very seriously, uh, which I absolutely appreciate and I can't thank you enough for. Is this a film you would watch again? Would you recommend it to people who don't know about Trapped in Paradise? I mean,
2: without kind of spoiling anything... I would go as far as saying that I'd never watch it again, <laughs> even if I was paid to.
0: <laughs> Cuttingly honest,
2: it was awful, Carol. <laughs>
1: it was awful. Um, I mean, I th- we, we. I think the, I think the film could have been better by giving Cage a bit more freedom. I think there was a too much focus on. Um, Dave and Alvin,
2: who I just found really irritating. Yep. And that put me off. Yeah, he seemed bored with the role, Cage did. And yeah. he was, he, you could tell he was too good for it. <laughs> yeah, he knew.
0: Well, you, you, Nicholas Cage doesn't tend to do a lot of comedies. I think this was his, certainly his last intentional comedy for quite some time. Um, I think you can tell he's not very. He's got comedic chops. I think he's absolutely got the stones. To rock a comedy, but I wouldn't say it's beneath him. I just think he loves to push himself a little bit more. Um, just still just,
2: just in the testing period. Do you know what I mean?
0: You know, we were. This portion of the 90s, it's 95 and beyond where we where we will then start to get in some peak cage because he had this just tremendous streak of films where you've got uh, Leaving Las Vegas, Con Air, Face Off. So, um, absolutely. And there's such a hot streak. You'd think yeah. it was The Undertaker running wild at WrestleMania. Right. Yeah. But how strong this is. Um, I think the next Christmas film we'd do wouldn't be till 2000 either. But I, also, I sort of found this one. There seems to be two types of Christmas films I find. Where one where the films just happen to be set at Christmas and one where it's all about the message of togetherness and love and coming together. Mm-hmm. And This one just happened to be set at Christmas I think it could have been said at literally any time of year.
1: I didn't really get it was Christmas, besides there was snow, a few mentions, and then in the background, you often heard like a really bad Christmas carol that you th- you might not you know like not of the classics, you know, but the but really I don't know, the dodgy ones, dodgy carols.
0: Yeah, not your go-to carols, no didn't give you
1: any Christmas vibes at all.
0: No, no tingles. No, I think even the ones that are set at Christmas, I think by the end of it, you should have some form of come-away-good feeling. With this, I looked at my watch and thought, Jesus Christ.
1: Thank God it's over.
0: Now, I, I always say there's never enough cage, but there were points, I must admit, at this film where I was kind of looking at my watch and thinking, two hours...
1: But why was that... Would you agree with what I said, that maybe there was too much focus on uh, Dave and Alvin? Or what made you feel like you you had enough here?
0: I think, well, we're looking at the three characters of Bill, Dave, and Alvin, who and obviously we'll get into this a bit more as time goes on, they're supposed to have this but um, you imagine by the end this sort of whole character turnaround in a day where um, and to broadly overview it they go from being supposedly bad guys still with the criminal streak mm-hmm. and then they turn it around because they've met all the lovely people of Pen- uh, in Pennsylvania, Paradise but Dave is just a dickhead throughout um, Alvin has this weird voice, I'm not sure what it's supposed to be It's not
2: funny He's like, um, remind me of Woody Woodpecker <laughs> I just, the them, start, he just keeps
1: yeah. The action, like. Yeah, I described his voice as like a really bad impression of Bart Simpson. Yeah,
0: yeah, um, yeah I get that.
1: And I just found his his jokes of him, you know, casually trying to pick something off the side and put it into his coat. Like you see it ten times, and it wasn't funny the first time, and he still has this grin on his face. Like, look how fun I am. You know what I mean? You know? Yeah, I mean.
0: The two of those guys, sort of John Lovitz and Dana Carvey, they're Saturday Night Live alumni. So you expect some decent comedy chops, but, mm. but David's just um oh let's get do this thing and then with Albert's, That's uh, really uh, 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 yeah. uh, and then um
1: That was really good. That was really good. <laughs> Thank if, you. If you haven't if you haven't watched it, you've just heard all the jokes that have come out of um Dave and Alvin's mouth right
0: there. That is very very kind of you to say. It. I think Cage, I think this is a film where, more than a lot of other films, maybe with the exception of Deadfall and Vampire's Kiss, we get a lot of, uh, dare I say classic, Cage rage, excuse the poem, where he just has these angry outbursts um he's just shouting where he doesn't need to. He's You can just tell he's pissed off from frame one and he's got no sort of no patience for it. Um, although this might be one of the, the facts we were discussing just before we started recording, where um, apparently the cast hated this film and they called it trapped in bullshit, um, and those are exactly the kind of high school hijinks that, that that's, how you, that's how
1: you feel when you are watching it. Yeah,
0: yeah. Trapped. You yeah. do you do also feel trapped. I think we were saying how it seemed to feel a bit too long. Have they um, one of the notes I found. Uh, and according to John Lovitz, director George Gallo barely did any directing at all, and apparently Nick Cage took the helms. Um, he would, and he would, and that's he he, would. that's well, what you expect it, from the Grand Hogger.
2: When the director's not pulling their weight, he's always he's going to step up, isn't he? He was probably just like saw himself insignificant next to the man himself. I mean, as
0: if, you would. I mean, when you're wearing a winter jacket like he is, it does give you a lot of confidence. <laughs> He's got a long winter jacket, like just about touching his ankles. One of the longest jackets I've ever you seen. Know what I mean? When you're marching in on set in that,
2: was... people are going to turn their heads. And I think. <laughs> I think the
0: uh, it's an eye catcher.
2: I think the director just
0: probably just felt like on day one of the set that he was he was finished. I think he's cage has gone up to the director. He's slapped his hog on the table and he's like, "Right, let's compare right now." George Gallo, uh, micro nubs, the most pathetic of the hogs out there, and I've got no respect they, for them. And
2: they obviously did it in winter, and no amount of weather conditions are going to affect that piece, at all.
0: <laughs> no, it's firm, it's true, and that's all we can ask for. I mean, I'd be interested to know, there's there's not too much information about the making of this film behind the scenes, but I would be interested to know um, what scenes Cage had actually helmed in comparison to Gallo as well, just for the sake of comparison. I mean I already know the best scenes with Nicolas Cages and the worst scenes on Gallows. Um and, that, and that's what that's what you need. You need a captain, a leader, and again, a true hogger amongst men. Um sort of speaking of the uh the credits and a sort of boosting cage up here, with this film now firmly burned into your retinas and ingrained into your minds. We've discussed our thoughts and feelings of it. Um with those of us who so maybe a bit fresher to Nick Cage, would you say this film had warmed you to him, or would this have maybe put you off watching more Nicolas Cage films?
2: If it was the first one that I saw, I, would, I wouldn't come away with very positive kind of thoughts towards any of the cast at all. Mm-hmm. Apart from Sarah, she was an absolute fox. She uh, was a well. fox. Absolute fox, shout out to Sarah. Sh- massive shout out to
0: Sarah. <laughs> Sarah, if you're listening,
1: I, I googled her and she's still a fox,
2: mate.
0: Fox. See, I thought I recognised her when I was watching. She's um, also stars in Twin Peaks, and uh, Sarah is a character I wanted to sort of bring up. And again, we'll get into this in a bit more detail as we go on, yeah. but. Um, when they get to paradise from sort of start to finish it's meant to take place over the course of one day and in that time despite the fact they have absolutely no chemistry were led to believe that nicolas yeah. cage hogged sarah yeah and i don't doubt it because this is the power of that hog the golden hog it's paradise in it <laughs> it's paradise in more in more ways than one um so to get into the film as we start it opens up with a snow globe which i, I, I assume is supposed to be some kind of allegory for them being trapped in it, a we, snowy town
2: we we just thought that was the bad youtube quality
0: <laughs> look on the on the journey to true Cage Nirvana, you're not always going to get 1080p no do you say that makes sense though so. and i've and i've never made that guarantee to anyone and that's why we get VPNs. Um, then we start seeing a wallet being kicked around the street before being picked up by Bill. Um, it seemed to be incredibly fortuitous and choreographed that the wallet, containing about $800 to my notes, yeah. happened to what? fall into the the lap of Bill. Um, and this is where I got a bit... It, a bit confused about his character as well, because we're led to believe that maybe he's having these moral conundrums about trying to stay on the straight and narrow um, as he gets tempted back into that life of crime. But he's just got $800. He opens the wallet up and sees, oh, he's got a picture of his family in here, dogs and cats. This money's no good to me. Um,
2: and he's playing on his mind. He just keeps going, dog, cat,
1: shit. <laughs> he says shit, a love this me." doesn't to himself in the street, people passing him by.
0: Yeah, you would think he was just. I mean, I hate to sort of use the term, but ill. If you just walk past a man in a beautiful winter coat, going, shit, going, and it's a really good coat. I can't stress enough how nice his coat is, it's really nice. Um, and if you can see the trailer, you'll absolutely see this as well.
1: Yeah, it's got the. The long, awesome Benga style coat, but also a red scarf.
0: It's a wonderful combination. Very yeah. wintry, very seasonal. Um, and sort of after that, with the wallet, he and this—I found this a bit weird as well. He goes to confession. Oh um, he gets to have a little sweet confession, and he is sort of talking to the priest to say, "Like, okay, I found this wallet. I've been ruminating on it for days. I didn't know what to do." Before we're told he just posts it, um, he says it's been two weeks. But then, apparently, by voice alone, the priest says, "Hang on, I know you. It's been five years." So we're meant to believe that this priest is just got an incredible set of ears and yeah, memory as well. I remember
1: that. Can I say at this point that the priest had excellent spectacles on? That's, that's the one thing I noticed about seeing. Yeah, really good glasses. Yeah.
0: I think a lot of priests are maybe more fashionable than we give them credit for.
1: Absolutely. It's a very fair point.
0: When you take into consideration that he was acting opposite that coat as well, and he still managed to take in the spectacles, yep. then say what you want about the making of this film, but the costume department...
1: Well, we, we, that's, we've, got, that's, mate, we've got a lot of notes on that. Big shout out to the people in charge of props on that on that film.
0: <laughs> there are a lot of props... I think maybe seventy-five percent of the props end up in Alvin's coat at some point in the film. Yeah. Um, speaking of Alvin, we visit them at a basically a board hearing at the prison. Next, I'm um, told Dave is a compulsive liar. Alvin is a kleptomaniac. They're both due to uh, be paroled due to prison uh, prison overcrowding, but it's. Again this is one that seems weird because Dave was basically making this speech on behalf of him and Alvin saying like they are like, like mighty eagles or dinosaurs he calls, calls his brother a reptile um not the only time Alvin would just be absolutely trashed in this film um they're quite liberal with trashing Alvin in this and it, I think Alvin's quite a nice guy they remind me of a really shit
2: Marv and the guy from home alone the the two yes, um, the burglars Marv and um what's the other one Marv and
0: I know exactly we'll, who we'll get the
2: names anyway, like really really shit version of them,
0: yeah, uh, I think if it was just these two alone they wouldn't be one of the the duos of the 90s that you were gonna remember um, but then they do get out of the clink and they are picked up by Bill Bill has learned from the priest that uh, his brothers are being let out and he doesn't seem happy about it, he doesn't seem interested whatsoever but he goes to pick them up, and they're now in his custody and not even out of prison for an hour, they go to a convenience store to pick up ringdings um, I don't know what ringdings are, they're nic- but Alvin says he wants ringdings, and then Nicholas Cage just starts dressing. Like, oh, you want ringdings? You want to go to the circus, get some balloons, yeah? And just, just lays into him. He does, like, like obviously with respect. There is, um, I think it's clear to say that Alvin is mentally handicapped, um, and Bill, like later on, just just calls him a retard twice in the space of like ten seconds. Um, the very. Rocky relationship. It's very rocky. I think Alvin is t- treated in a lot of respects as just low hanging fruit comedy wise, and you just watch that thing. Yeah. Leave him alone. He's got yeah. enough on his plate with being a kleptomaniac as it is. Um they go into his convenience store, Alvin started stealing stuff.
2: But so
1: this brought a few <sighs> questions to towards me. He just felt really quick. And also he's found a shop where there's no one guarding the till. Yeah, He somehow got into the till. And yeah. he's there for a while, because Cage, who's sat in the car, is doing his his, his stuff, you know. And and he's facing the window, holding the car. He's facing the, the window.
0: <laughs> no security.
1: Really, yeah. It's not really strange.
0: No security just seems to be a running theme, intentional or otherwise. He's just got a handful of wads. Uh, as you said, no one is there. They sort of clock him afterwards when Bill's getting the money back off and he's saying, Look, I've got it under control. They sort of rush them out. The police then turn up. It's just a really quick turnaround of events. Yeah. Um, the police are there. Th- for all we know, they were just working at the store as well. Um, but the police turn up very quickly quick. yeah. in this film.
1: Uh, Considering there was no one guarding the till and everyone's a bit laid, laid back, the police were there pretty damn quick.
0: I mean, in the 90s, the uh, the New York Police Department were on point, and I can't applaud them enough for their service in 1994.
2: Firm handshakes.
0: Firm handshakes all around. Uh, but then they get chased out the back of the store, and then it seems like Bill is chasing Elvin and Dave, and then he absolutely spears them into a pile of trash, but then flips it. And then yeah. says, get against the wall, get against the wall and then just pretends to be a cop and shouts the cop saying like, oh, like, I'm an undercover agent the mayor's on my ass, what are you doing, rookie at this so cop. He
2: actually refers to himself as Sergeant
0: Dickman. <laughs> I mean, when, you, when you've got the greatest hog in the business and you're on the spot like that you've got to make it believable, a I believable mean, sell.
1: That for me was the best part of the film. I'm just pointing that out right now. I mean,
2: if I was in that situation I could have, there's at least five yeah. Surnames that come to mind before Dickman.
1: It was. He just said it with such authority. He stared down these policemen, who I believe had ha- had a gun because they, yeah. they were trying to like shoot them down. And I don't know what I, I don't know what Cage has got in his hand. Whether it's actually oh, it a is a badge.
2: He's it, obviously prepared so, for that situation. Where, where did he get that
1: from? Was it from the, um, the pile of trash? Which it's, from,
2: is... it's from the coat, mate the coat it's got multiple compartments in
0: big pockets in those coats yeah. for every yeah. occasion
2: well it was just it's... he probably didn't
1: realize he had it he did the... it with such confidence like he'd been practicing <laughs> for that moment the muscle memory kicks in
0: yeah so we're led to believe that he he just happens to have a fake inspector's badge ready for such an occasion uh somehow gets out of it gets them both out of it um But then we follow them back to their uh, mother's apartment. Obviously they're all very much love their mother. They are all eating and then again going back to Marvin, this isn't the first time he does it but he gets, it's it's like mash or something and he just keeps getting it like piled and piled on his plate. Big appetite that lad. Um, They're also trying to spin this yarn to the mother that um, you know everything's fine. They weren't say other than the fingerprints at the crime scene. Seemed uh, the crime when they got arrested. There was nothing on them. Um, and this is another th- a confusing part I find about Bill's character because he's like, right, I'm not buying it. Uh, this is still bullshit. You're all up to something. But late, like, he just seems to completely drop the pretense and just at the drop of a hat go back into a life of crime with them. Um, and this sort of leads us into what gets them to paradise in the first place so we're told that um, because they're on the parole they have to stay in New York City but they've given their mother a letter supposedly from another inmate they knew in the prison who has asked them on his behalf to find Sarah shout out to Sarah uh, his estranged daughter and to try and make amends on their behalf the mother's in tears um and again, this is where Bill is like, Bill's like, this is nonsense. Not interested. And then we find he's just a humble restaurant manager, um, which just seems they picked a job description out of a hat. Yeah. He's trying to sell this fish dish, and then Dave turns up and says that Bill's wallet was found at the scene of the crime. Two more cop cars just turn up at this point. Yeah. Um, and then I'll they have to that. hightail it. There's just cops. Um, he's like, can I get a pint of pig? And then they just turn up. Instant. Instantly, whenever you want. Um, so, this is what gets them into paradise. They've had to convince Bill that he's also a criminal by default. And so they say, fuck it. Um, again, we don't know how quickly... The police turned this around if they found his wallet, if they happened to know he was a restaurant manager. Just a humble guy, minding his business. Um We don't really know what the crime was that put Dave and Alvin in prison in the first place. Yeah, there's a lot of holes. There's a, f- a few holes in the story. Um, I think we, it was just implied they were arrested for something. Never really touched on much of these people's backstory, which again brings me to Bill. I don't know if he, saw, if he had the same thing. I think we're supposed to believe that maybe he's had some kind of influence in the life of crime previously as well, but it's never outright stated. They don't really touch on Bill's backstory at all. We mm-hmm. just look at him strictly in the here and now,
2: yeah.
0: and as far as we're concerned, he's basically um, one of those crazy side characters in Grand Theft Auto Yeah. who is trying to do the right thing but just ends up killing people. He's yeah. like a toned-down Trevor from GTA Five. Uh, I don't know if you sort of found this about... Emotionally, his character is all over the place. I don't know if you found that as well.
2: Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. It's
0: it's, it's very up and down for him, whereas Dave and Alvin do stay the same. Um, yeah. But next there, uh, Bill and Alvin are in the car, Dave's on the phone to someone, and... You might have noticed this as well, when they seem to linger on this shot of Dave handing Bill a paper, and the headline says, Bat Child Founding Cave. Yeah! And the
1: picture on the front, it kind of was like, I don't know, it's probably weird.
0: <laughs> it's just...
1: It, it meant nothing. There was, there was yeah, nothing no. dwelling on that. There well, was like, no yeah. joke involved. Yeah, it no, was actually, just the, really
2: weird. The brief they would have given to the graphic designer to do that prop for the movie, and it it just had no relevance to the story whatsoever.
0: No. It's just a thing that happened with no relevance. And the thing is... he could be a real child. That could be a real paper for all we know. Yeah. Um, And I'll be interested to Google that sort of after the recording. But he hands the paper to Bill and things like Bill looks at it for like notably a few seconds. Yeah makes no comment on it it's at not all. It's a
1: normal front cover of a newspaper.
0: It's not the first bat child he's seen. Yeah. And he's over it. He's not interested <laughs> in like, any more bat children.
1: Not not another one. Not today.
0: <laughs> not on this day. Not on this December 23rd or Christmas Eve as it would have been at the time. Um, And then Dave is, I think, pushing as well to go to Paradise to find Sarah again. But again, Cage is staying firm to his character at this point. He thinks that Dave is full of shit. Um, and this is a clip you can find on YouTube if you just Google uh, "Nicholas Cage trapped in paradise intense. And uh, he just sort of looks at him. He's like, I know how your mind works, Dave. You just stand there with this who me expression on your face. And I think that might be my favorite scene in the film. It makes me happy when he screams
1: he it was I think it was going be his first scream I think there's a lot I think of, his
0: first proper scream in this one yeah
2: like where he really came out of his shell there's a lot of times in this film that being one of the best ones where his his talent's just kind of bursting at the seams he's just he just wants to give the role a bit more and he just yeah it's just not needed <laughs> he's just having normal conversations with people and he's just so <laughs> over expressionate in things and you're like. It makes his character just seem like there's something wrong with him. And there's not. No. But what's really weird is, is
1: when he has this kind of slight, almost rage moment where you can see it trying to come out of him, the other, char- the other characters in the cast just can't really bounce off that. Like, they're, no. they're not up to his level, if you no. know what I mean. Like, they can't re- respond or act the way out of it, but just kind of just. just absorb it and just admire.
0: It's he has he has an energy that he brings to roles that just other actors they would have just taken line and it's like, Look, I know your mind works. I can see that expression on your face. But he saw a line, um it's like I think as I always say, uh, give Cage an inch and he'll fuck your fucky wife and that's exactly what happened here. He wives got fucked. And that's yeah. what I live for. Yeah. Just to watch him work. Um so the first of many Screams to come um, they do decide to drive to Paradise convinced by Dave. Uh, you know, Maybe it's finally time they do something nice for someone else and they look for uh, Sarah uh, Mizuchi I think the name was the long lost daughter of uh, Vic who was a convict that they were in with. Um, once they get to Paradise they very quickly default off the plan. They go off the schedule Um Which you can't do. Which, if you've got a schedule and it's written down right, you just don't deviate from it. But they end up going to the bank. Um, They are led in by sort of the promise that uh, this bank is an easy heist. Uh, Dave very quickly brings Bill around. He's the security guard. He's effectively a corpse. He's flicking his earlobes. He's not moving. The security that's camera's not that, connected.
2: That's another thing as well, is yeah. that if you're seeing someone asleep, you don't go over the earlobes. You don't you just give Very them sensitive. a nice little pat on the cheek or a little, you know, little move of the shoulder. A tap on the leg or something. He,
0: he went straight for the lobes. No, of. He did not respect that other man as an actor. He didn't respect him as a human being. Yeah. He looked at his nub and said, You're lucky to be on this set with me yeah. and he went rogue.
1: Although, let's be be honest, what would you give to have your lobes flicked by the cage?
0: I'd risk it all. (laughs) I would risk it all for him, for Cage-senpai, just to notice me. (laughs) Um, So this is where we meet Sarah. Now, at this point, we have no reason to suspect, script-wise, that Sarah is the Sarah.
1: Although this is the only female at this point. Is that right, coming to the film? Apart from the mum. Apart from the mum, okay, the only... I
0: think um, she's the only young female. Young
1: female, and maybe throughout the entire film. Yeah,
0: Paradise is full of old people. It's very much a retirement kind of town. I mean, it's not
2: Paradise, is it really? I mean, there's a lot of things in that town that...
0: Yeah, they're a bit off. I mean, I wondered, was Paradise just a made-up name? But it turns out Paradise, Pennsylvania... Is a real place. Really, um, I checked the Wikipedia page for it because they've usually got um, like interesting facts about the town. Trapped in Paradise was not mentioned once on uh, on the Wikipedia page for Paradise, Pennsylvania. Maybe it was. Why? Maybe it was because it, it got ten percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and they thought yeah. we can't we can't advertise with that. Um, it wasn't
1: even, even filmed that, though. What was it? It was no,
0: going to
2: Canada. Filmed in
0: Canada. I think a lot of places tend to be cheaper to go in Canada because uh, Canada looks like everywhere. Um, you've been to Canada, Fred. I've
2: lived in
1: Canada,
0: yeah. You've got some experience in Canada.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, would you. <laughs> the eyebrows gone off. He's like, go on. Um, would you have watched that film and said, yeah, Canada? Or were you convinced that, no, this is Paradise, Pennsylvania?
1: I wouldn't know what Pennsylvania is like. I'd say it's more, but from I guess from a sheer guess and what I imagine Pennsylvania to be like, I'd say that is more Canadian. But I literally haven't got a clue. I could be completely wrong. There could be some listeners who are thinking, "What the hell is this rocky amateur guy <laughs> who's joined the Cage Rage, and his geographic skills are completely off?"
0: And he doesn't know the first thing about Paradise, Pennsylvania.
1: Correct, and you're absolutely correct. That, that is that is
2: the case. So the the ide- fun fact that we found out in this was the, the idea and why they call it Trapped in Paradise is they had to make it look like it was really kind of continuously heavily snowing on set and they didn't have enough snow in reality. So they had to ship in £75,000 <laughs> of potato shavings <laughs> to put at certain like shots around the town to make it look as if they were kind of like trapped in the village and they couldn't just drive out basically. Which I mean what a waste of money. Is that
1: pounds in <laughs> like great brief pounds.
0: I mean what I will say is that the potato shavings, I think from what I read were also biodegradable. So at least they were thinking about the environment and kind of when it's it was going bad. on. Although watching that, I will say with that in mind, I didn't think potato shavings when I saw the snow.
1: That's 3.5 tonnes. It's <laughs> a lot of carbs. That's a lot of carbs.
0: I mean, I can guarantee that Nicolas Cage demanded specifically 3.5 tonnes of shavings. Yeah. And you know that was in his contract.
2: I mean, you can tell really that all the money went on potatoes and props <laughs> and coats. Again, shout out to
1: the, the person in charge of props. Great, great, great job.
0: I mean, someone's still got that on their CV that I supplied three point five tons of, of Tatey shavings.
2: Yeah.
0: And what a, what a, in, you know when you get the icebreakers and they go to the interesting yeah. fact, it's like they call me the Tatey man yeah. <laughs> in some parts of the world. Um. Now we also get them sort of walking around the bank. Uh, Alvin's up to his old tricks. He's stealing uh, candy cane pens. He's. Eating a uh, a gingerbread man ornament from...
2: From the tree.
0: From the tree. It's only meant to be for the kids, as Sarah tells him. Um, But this is when... um, Sarah looks great in this scene as well. Very professional. Very on on the case. Uh, She knows how to run a bank. uh, And she's not dealing with this kind of nonsense in her establishment. And you've got to respect that. Um, This is when... Bill just sort of rocks up. He turns on that cage charm, and he can turn it on. and Yeah.
2: yeah. And, and he
1: did turn it on.
0: And I mean, now, I as a person am not known for my seduction skills, but I like to think that when you're speaking to someone that you find attractive for the first time, the first thing out of your mouth shouldn't be, oh, don't worry about my brother, he's mentally retarded. <laughs> I think there are better ways to <laughs> broach a conversation with someone um, although she doesn't seem too bothered by by this if thinking, like, I mean these it, clearly is. it clearly is <laughs> it, Do it, I mean. Bill's bothered by it Alvin just walks off minding his own business, he's okay with it um, but then there's definitely a hogging on the horizon that was my notice yeah, in all caps
2: he, he, yeah.
1: you knew what's going to happen already at this point uh, it's, it's like oh there's a attractive Female here, and cage is immediately on the case,
2: Sarah
0: knows there's a peacock in paradise, that's, <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> yeah, think about peacocks, you've got to let them fly, yeah, and he wants to um they also they think that there's going to be no money in the bank, but then the people bringing the money in just proudly yes. announce there's two hundred and seventy five thousand dollars.
1: do you see the way they brought it in though, so you know on like. Old school cartoons where you get like yes these, I was about sa- these kind this. of like these sacks of cash just with, like a, with yeah, a, dollar a dollar symbol or
2: something.
1: <laughs> or something. It was like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, I, I mean, I say this as someone who used to work for a bank. No one does this. No one it just announces. It
2: made me laugh because it reminded me of us playing Warzone and Daryl announcing that he would dropped a claymore outside. <laughs> Just announcing (laughs) 275k in the bank.
0: I just don't think you announce your plan of action when there's definitely enemies in the area. Um, And it's a lesson I learned. It's a lesson, unfortunately, the bank didn't learn because now they know that the bank is entirely undefended. They decide to rob it on a whim because they see that there's three positions for Earls of Waddington, respectively, up for grabs. And
1: this happened really quick as well. Like yeah. it, it felt the time between seeing all this money here to, okay, it's happening, was pretty damn quick for me.
2: It was like, it almost kind of went past. Yeah, it's almost like they, I, when they announce something or something happens, it's there instantly. Yeah. Like, oh, there's no money in the bank. And then as, as soon as they say it, the door opens and he announces how much money's in the bank. <laughs> it's like, yeah. The pace of it is just—it's just all over the place. The whole film,
0: <laughs> the whole film. <laughs> it's fair. Like some bits go slowly, then it moves really quickly. Like it focuses in on one thing. Um, I think next is when they go to the convenience store because they're buying ski masks. Yeah, uh, Alvin stealing stuff again. Nick Cage just got these sunglasses on. He's sort of dancing around with the cuckoo clock
1: again, shout out to the person in charge of props. Because the glasses were incredible. They were like... Huge spectacle budget. They were like the, I guess how Cyclops of X-Men. Yes. Yeah. With this red kind of line.
0: The red visor, yeah. And
1: that's what the glasses were like. Yeah. And you knew as soon as you put them on, he's going to cause some trouble.
0: I mean, those... If I saw someone with those glasses... Firstly, I'm thinking, that's not prescription. prescription. Yeah. Uh, second, this is a guy who's ready to make hassle. He um, did not go with the coat. He didn't go with the coat, but didn't... he didn't care because he's such a maverick. He was moving on to the next look. Yeah. Um. It was all. This shop was also tended by, I think their names were uh, Ed and Clovis. Two, I don't really know how to describe them, but one of them, I think it was Ed, just had the biggest wad of chewing tobacco in his mouth. I've ever seen. He looks swollen, you know, like when um, yeah. Bear Girls got stung by bees. But all of that in his one cheek. He's constantly chewing. Clovis is just Clovis. <laughs> it's a inc- Clovis Minor, I think his full name yeah, was yeah. from Wikipedia. Um, he's just just slow in his speech, slow as a person, completely unexplained. That's his only characteristic is how he talks slow um we also learn that these two people are actually deputies of yeah. paradise they've just been a award- they they've been deputized by the sheriff which is just just a weird thing about america that you can just be effectively knighted and then given an honorary hog um but then they get suspicious about the brothers and so they just start following them throughout the film just at random points um, then, jumping ahead a bit, we get to. Um, I think a scene that had more comic potential than maybe it came across. We get to the robbery itself. Um, uh, can we just,
1: sorry, um, the, I found it really hard to figure out where the guns came from.
0: I think they had the car and they had, again, completely unexplained, they had a boot full of guns in out this out car. Of they, they drive to the forest, they say, I've got a boot full of guns and they have a boot full of guns. Yeah.
2: It's not explained at all.
0: So unless the car they drove in um which was like a a, a clapped up banger
1: it was a different it's a different car as well than the car that cage picked them up from from yeah. the um prison.
0: Yeah, it's like I mean I'd expect to have a random car full of guns if this was like men in black um, and they were saving the earth mm-hmm. from attack. But they're not. They're just three bozos in paradise. You know, and they've all gone for the shotguns. Um they go into the bank with our, our sort of second sort of random cage scream, um, uh, where he just announces himself like, All right, It's a goddamn robbery and then there's about ten, fifteen people in the bank, completely unfazed, yeah, not worried at all. Um he starts sort of barking to us like, right, we need to get into the vault, let us into the bank and then it is the uh I think her name is Hattie, the uh you know the bank manager's wife, who says, Oh, we can't let you in because we don't have a key. Uh to which in my notes I wrote down Nicolas Cage's response of
2: Key Key <laughs> I've got that written down.
1: <laughs> he has got it written down.
0: <laughs> Actually handwritten as well. Um and then <laughs> He's like, oh, like, well, we have to go and get my husband. He's, quick... just, he's just over the road having a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> with the key in his pocket. He's having a 45-minute lunch across the road. Um, and then Dave's like, well, do we just wait for 45 minutes? And he's like, no. So he has to march across the road with Alvin. Um, then he's, he says, ask for the bank manager, the uh, lady who runs the restaurant. She's like, he's, she walks off and he's like, Where are you going? He's like, Well, this is a robbery. I'm going to get you your cash. And he's like, No, we're not burgling here. Um, and then. But he's walking
2: through this like restaurant, cafe, in his Cyclops glasses and ski mask. And no one bats an eyelid. No one. And he knows the guy he's got to go speak to in there. Yeah, he knows who it
0: is. Yeah. He just knows. He's identified him just like he was a video game character with an icon above his head. Um, then Alvin just stops. He gives his gun to someone else. We to start eating, is that skiblets or something he said of his plate? Very yeah. weird, tiny ground meatball food. Gives his gun to this guy. Uh, but he does come out with this big brain thing and is like, well, we've got to take them all with us because if we just leave them, they'll call the cops. So then they have to march about 20 more people into the bank, um as Dave is leading the uh, the bank hostages in just a yoga session that he learned in prison yeah um breathing exercises so they've unintention they've robbed the bank unintentionally hijacked a restaurant and given a yoga class and <laughs> given a, a yoga class which is if anything if that was on a schedule and you have got to keep to that kind of time scale incredible scenes
2: um it just feels that at this point a bit like national lampoony, like everything's kind of going wrong for them. And, it, you know, they're trying to, like, force the comedy into, like, bank robberies and stuff. Do
1: you know what I mean? It, into
2: it's a going, very
0: average storyline.
2: And it's it's going down that kind of, yeah, like that national lampoon route of, like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think. For this film, I think you, you, are, you are supposed to. F- or at least grow into liking the characters, but it was very difficult because he's supposed to be on their side but and even though they're not all inherently terrible people, it was just hard to kind of root for them, I found. And when the comedy didn't land it was as you were saying, the comedy scenes a bit all over the place. It was a bit harder to warm up to them. Absolutely. Um even though again I think this is one of the and I think you might sound harsh but using comedy loosely, this was one of the scenes that could have been played a bit more and saying, like, right, everyone put your hands up. Now who's got the key? It's like, no wait, no, put your hands down. Now who's got the key? Put your hands up. Um after this they do get the vault open. Uh Nick Cage uh uses like a tiny little spray, it looks like mouth spray to spray two lasers. It's sort of the worst mission impossible you've ever seen. Yeah. Giant steps over it, um but then trips off the laser with the wad of cash bag. Uh, And I'm a little embarrassed to say, even though I knew it was coming, it actually made me jump when he set off the alarm. Um, But then they've got to get away. And for some reason, and this is the thing that keeps happening, Albin's in the getaway car. This seems to be his designated role in the trio, that he's the getaway driver, as he sort of repeats this mantra, like, you do what you do, I do what I do. But he doesn't do it very well because he keeps driving away from them and he does it like three times. Um, and going back to saying the comedy being all over the place, they kind of mention it like, oh, I hope he doesn't do it again, as if it's the right in saying, Oh, look, we've acknowledged it. We know it's a bit weird. It wouldn't be better if they just got in the car. Yeah. yeah. I think.
1: I think as well, considering the bank alarm is going off, and up until now, the police have been pretty on point. Yeah. From my memory. I wouldn't say the police was slow, but they've been faster. You know? Yeah.
0: The New York police have been on their the drop That's a of a hat. Point. Yeah. Uh, the Paradise police, um, you know, they'll stop to pick that hat up and put it back on.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, they did, I mean, considering I think by Paradise and this is probably the biggest crime that could have happened, they weren't prepared for it. Mm. At all. Um, but they do get away. Um, they are driving down this sort of road in intense blizzard. Uh, Alvin ends up getting them lost. Again, the one job he had was just to be a getaway driver. They ask him, like, uh, did you follow the map? And he said, oh, I took four left. And Nick Cage goes, that's a circle uh, getting them trapped mm-hmm. in paradise. Um, the police do find them, Dave tries to talk them down, he's like, look, we're just three guys driving down the road in a blizzard, which just happens to be exactly what the police are turning for. The police 180 it. And then, and I don't know if you thought the same here, they get, it's a very, very minute car chase um, in the grand scheme of things. But then they drive off a bridge and they take about a 20-foot fall.
2: Yeah. I know exactly what you're going to say here and the car flips off the bridge lands on the roof no one surviving that no one no. to which Nick Cage gets out the front perfectly preserved coat obviously uncreased yeah. <laughs> the coat looks better, better than it did in reversal it. and then just proceeds to say ow <laughs> And that's it. No one is hurt. Yeah. No one. Yeah. And it's that like, none of them are phased, that, that this car has just crashed off a bridge and there's police chasing them. It's it's more about Nick Cage just being a bit miffed that he's in that situation. It's oh, yeah. a slight inconvenience, isn't it? Yeah. yeah.
0: He's any other human dead, no question about it. A fall like that, onto Weiss, car on top of you. But as you said, it, Clearly, a river as well, like a river, like a fr- like a river, a frozen river. But it sort of reminded me of like the A Team in the fact that no one ever died in the A yeah. Team because they yeah, couldn't yeah, yeah. kill people off. Yeah. So an explosion, basically, they just dusted it off. And I said, okay, it just goes, "Ow, oh, oh, that hurt." Ow. Oh, which is now going to be my only ever reaction to pain. Um, just so so weird, so weird. And it's points like this that you start questioning what is actually in the script. Because no yeah. human being, any writer of any level, with any form of human experience, knows that's not how you react to a car crash.
2: Yeah. But what I don't get was the police were chasing them. And then the car yeah. went off the bridge. And then the police just disappear.
0: I think we're supposed to believe that there were there were so many potato shavings in the windscreen that they couldn't see... And then they got far enough ahead of them that they somehow lost them by going off the bridge. Uh, Starch blindness, <laughs> <laughs> shaved by the potato, shaved by the bell. Um, but then they are found by a <laughs> they are then found by a kind Samaritan uh, who does end up sheltering them. Uh, and then we learn he takes them out to the bank manager's house. So like, why <laughs> This is the stupidest thing about this whole film is that like any
2: situation that they're in, they're just always where they need to be. Like they've just flicked their car up a bridge. <laughs> Five minutes later, they're just having eggnog with the family, <laughs> and getting presents from the family. Yeah, yeah. and they're giving him money. <laughs> Give yeah, <them> cash.
0: like <laughs> you go take some money. <laughs> They couldn't have fallen into a better situation oh. if they tried. Now, obviously, they're a bit like, oh, shit, it's the bank manager, but um, they don't recognise her because they had uh, masks on. Obviously, Sarah's there. You get the idea that she's um, sort of a bit not completely onto them, which is like, right, you know, twice in one day, there's something... Yeah. Up here, and she, um, she
2: does come into the room in a in a lovely beige Christmas woolly jumper. And again, shout uh, out to Sarah, shout, massive, massive shout! Like
0: she she was, I mean, she, yeah, fox. <clears throat> what else is the, is to say? Like speaking of animals, and this was another weird thing. The film spent about. 20 seconds now focusing on their dog, um, a three legged dog called Tripod. tripod
1: yeah.
0: Um, which is when you see, like, okay, the dog's got three legs, it's called Tripod. Most people have a frame of reference what a tripod is, but then they exchange dialogues like, oh, he's called Tripod because he has three legs.
2: But he, that dog obviously wasn't born with three legs, so they didn't call it <laughs> Tripod when it was born. <laughs> but so they just obviously <laughs> changed the dog's name when it lost its leg <laughs> well, used, <laughs> the they... cruelest thing <laughs> I could possibly do <laughs>
0: I think they called him Quadpod and then he went down to Tripod yeah. um, you might have picked up this fact as well, apparently the director wrote Tripod into the script yeah. because he just, he just saw him and thought I want that dog in my film yeah um,
2: like he would make it better but it's really strange. I know, and also in this scene, which I just couldn't get over, is throughout this whole thing of like them getting the presents and like being with the family, they didn't take the coats off. <laughs> but we don't at any time At any point in the film there's like inside with the fire roaring, like Christmas, like dinner,
0: they're in coats. There was a lot of investment in those coats. Uh, but yeah, they just get treated so well by this family, yeah. and just I think, yeah, the, you see the essence of the story here is that like
2: they're trying to do something bad overall, but they're tested by all this like positive mindset that these people in paradise have, and I mean, you just can't rattle Cage's emotions
0: though. He's yeah. a straight arrow. <laughs> he is a straight as an arrow. Um. Again, this is a point where I think they're all just feasting around this dinner table. Um Alvin slops gravy onto his plate like you've never seen. The gravy boat, I think it's fair to say, was upside down. It was empty. His his plate was brown. There was no, there was no discernible food left in it. Um again just just like throwaway gags like always oh, got a bit of an appetite. Like I don't feel like he's got an appetite for things and food. Um, but as he said, then the family just gives them, like, uh, like Alvin a Christmas jumper. They just give him, like, a a small little stack of cash. Uh, Some great
2: jumpers going around. And puts well. it in his
0: coat. He puts it in his coat. Although Alvin does steal, like, a little figure. Yeah. Uh, a little, like, nutcracker, sort of toy soldier figure.
1: Because Alvin can't go into a room without that joke happening. And yeah, it's tired. It's really tiresome like by at, this point. At well. this yeah. point, it's like, oh, there goes Alvin again. I know what he's going to do. Yeah, hundred percent. And he's not doing yeah. anything of value at this point. It's just anything that he can fit in. If he can fit in his pocket, he's putting it in there.
0: If he had a chance, he would have stolen tripod. And yeah. I'll put money on that. But this yeah. is the thing: like they're
2: getting me the, putting these like gags in there. They're meant to be funny, coupled with this like amazing generosity and like heartstring. Like storyline of this family, like helping them out, it just
0: it it doesn't work. No, and it's, a, it's good that you mentioned that because then they're around the dinner table, they're asking questions about the robbery, um, and then uh, Clifford, the bank manager, he he's talking about it, and he answers that uh, basically all the money that is stolen was the town's collective Christmas fund. That's gone, and uh, he says that. In addition to he's quite frankly, his overly trusting nature of just giving out loans to people who probably wouldn't qualify for credit. Um, once they get investigated, that bank is going to go down. Um, so the only thing that can save them now is the power of love and a raw dog.
2: And as well, I think at this point, when when Cage finds out that that money is like basically the town's, he just pulls this like really sarcastic like. Face of being really upset, like, <laughs> like just really sarcastically to the to Clifford's
0: face, like oh, I just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, to be fair, he wasn't bothered, but that's so many loadouts they can buy with that. To be fair, oh, so many loadouts. many um, yes. But then, in terms of the gifts that they are given. Uh, they're told that there's conveniently a last coach leaving Paradise. Um, it's, it's not going back to sort of New York, but it's getting them out of the town. Again, as you said, um, just falling into place conveniently where they need to be. Yeah. So they do get taken to the coach station. Uh, and I think this is where uh, it was the two store clerks again, um, Ed and Clovis, I think, turn up because they've been they've been following them, they seem to have their suspicions about them uh, think that they've still got the cash Um, and then I think I blinked and then things just kicked off here So have we also missed out the fact that like
2: um, Vic, the guy in the prison calls the house of Clifford Yes, you're right and we're, we're supposed to just accept the fact that Vic knows that 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 the, the, the these three guys have just crashed their car, gone into a stranger's house, and then Vic has got that number on speed dial, ready to threaten them that they've got the, that they've they've got like his <laughs> his mom captured, Yeah, and he's like, it's a lot. And at on. the, the one point, Vic says, "Where are you?" And you're like, "Well, you call in the house that they're the, in, mate." Like, yeah,
0: you obviously know where they are. <laughs> it's Vic is this weird. Entity is uh, sort of becomes I'd like the default bad guy in the film. So I think we get a scene of them early being in prison where all these other um old prisoners are gathered around him because Vic's telling the classic bank robbery story again, the story that he's obviously well known for. Um and then telling them about Paradise, it seems to be well known on the circuit that this is the easiest bank to rob. But then they find out in, in the prison TV that the Paradise Bank has been robbed, um, and then they suspect. Oh, it must have been uh, the Furpo brothers because they're the only other people who are out of prison who know about this. Then inexplicably, they bust out of prison. Uh, they just did it. We don't yeah, know how. We don't know how they yeah. got yeah. out. Yeah. And then they've got their the, the Furpo's uh, mother hostage. Um, I will say the mother. I've never seen. a a less phased, yeah, person in my life.
2: Definitely Cage's mother.
0: <laughs> like not bothered. Uh, she's been through this rodeo before. She'll do it again. They've got a hostage. Uh, later, they end up putting her in the boot of a car. She goes in without hassle. Yeah. She just um, actually finishes a cigarette, I think, and just gets in the boot <laughs> as if it's like, yeah. It's so, like let me let me have like my last drag on this, yeah. and then I'll get myself in the boot. Um. But then, like, yeah, so they've got the mother hostage. I think Dave sees this on a news report that uh, Vic, I think the other, I think his name was Caesar, or just generic goon, have got out, so he knows it's bad news. Um, and then Dave decides just not to tell any of the family about this, it's like, right, we've got to get out of Dodge. Um, so then, uh, as we mentioned earlier, they do end up at the bus station, and uh, like I said, I think. Ed and Clifton were there, and then suddenly, I think like the police or the FBI get involved. Yes, in of, again, case just out of random chance,
2: as they about to get on this bus, an FBI agent, not even a police officer, asks to just check his bag. It's yeah. like, what's in the bag? And some gunshot goes off, and Cage manages to escape and run away, but then.
0: Yeah, they
2: miss the bus.
0: <laughs> well, they, and this is the weird thing: so they 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 miss the bus, and then I'm not sure if they drive or just run away. But then they end up in a canoe, and again within
2: five minutes, like they, they they've they've missed the bus, and then jump in a canoe.
0: They get in just a conveniently placed canoe just happens to be big enough for three brothers with a lot of cash. Just call a taxi. <laughs> it would have been a lot easier if they had. So they start rowing away, but um they go into they crash into a log or something. Uh, and it was quite a gentle knock, but Alvin goes flying out of the canoe, uh, ends up in the river, and if it's what I was thinking is well, if it's the middle of winter, we're probably talking minus temperatures. And if and even with a cold shower, I think for at least for a moment your body's like oof.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's obviously like really late as well. It's the last bus, mate. You know what I mean? It's the last it bus. Is. Talking at least and month again. when Alvin is like basically drowning, there just happens to be another paradise person waiting on the, the banks of this river at the point where they fell off to just drag Alvin out and give him another Cozy welcoming into their house.
0: Uh Yeah, they form uh, like a chain of human beings. But the people who get him out, they are, again, respectfully, quite old. So the cold water, I mean, I'm going to say, would have taken him out. There should have been three bodies floating down that river. And who knows what temperatures like that do to a man's hog as well. I mean, I can say for one that Nick Cage could paddle with it, he could row with it. Yeah, it doesn't affect him. A lesser man, and by that I mean human beings. Would have perished.
1: Well, as as we all know, being men, it's a, a fantastic flotation device. <laughs> and a Cage would have, you know, almost like a life jacket there.
0: Basically like a little ripcord. Oh, yeah. A <laughs> like little, little boy. A yeah, yeah. little hog raft.
1: Keeping <laughs> keep him afloat.
0: Just two nice buoyant boys. <laughs> I think if we apply logic on the basis that Alvin is Cage's brother, he's probably inherited at least some of those hog genes so he could have floated in the way that he did. And boy, did he float. Yeah, um,
2: yeah. I, would, I think at this point in the film as well, we do lose the coat. The coat that we've been so kind of fixated on yeah, I remember, of, is, uh, is lost in the river. Remember Rest that in peace. Alvin
1: now goes and gets this really colourful jumper.
0: Yeah. yeah. And also
1: he shuts up a little bit. Yeah, I start to appreciate him a bit more now.
0: He's not laughing as much now. Yeah, you know, it's like every other thing.
1: Yeah, I wonder if that's the change of his character. he really starts to kind of, you know.
0: Yes, yeah, it... so maybe he's been shown that kindness by the town, and he's sort mm-hmm. of he's sort of coming round a little bit. But it's that they they end up clothing all the furpos again. Uh, they're saved again. Um, Bill ends up meeting Sarah again. We get that confirmation that Sarah is the Sarah, shout out to Sarah, that we've been looking for. And now he's warming up to the residents of Paradise. He looks to plant the wet one on her, bearing in mind, again, they've only known each other a few hours. And And she looks really good at this point as well. (laughs) That's a very good point you made
1: there, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: But she, you know... Respectfully, she's like, "No, not yet. Let's collect our thoughts. We're, yeah, not, does, we're not at that point in the schedule." He, he
2: does go in for the lean, and not many women reject him. She wasn't ready. <clears throat> she knew she was gonna eventually, but
1: just not there and then. He still not had a right little time. bit to learn about himself.
0: Not the right. His character arc wasn't over
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but just as his hog is uh, just retracting to normal human size, the police rock up again, and again convenient escape method they escape in a horse drawn carriage like an actual where, sleigh where
2: did that come
0: from honestly
2: the police so the um, horse no it's the it's the um a policeman's like son i think his name was kenny
0: yeah yeah i think it was kenny
2: he kind of just bought this horse and sleigh into like this like church area to which alvin just just decides to rob it He's been through. He's literally nearly drowned at this point.
0: He's, but he's, you know, collected his thoughts, and then we're supposed to believe that a single horse pulling a sleigh of three grown men and two hundred seventy-five thousand dollars can outrun about three police cars. Yeah, they can't. They can't catch up to it. It's the shavings, mate. (laughs) He's got so many carbs.
2: The horse is just getting fueled up as it's running.
0: play your carbs, right, I mean, as I say, shavings the great equalizer in uh in these chases um
2: Rittles.
0: but then they they do escape um I think he named Alvin named the horse was it Merlin Merlin great name for a horse um but they go to escape uh the police rock up again um the horse nearly drowns for no reason. <laughs> yeah. This That's is a thing ridiculous. that happens. They just, the, the horse is, the, the, the horse doesn't even
2: move, but they're like running after it as if it's drowning, but the horse is just stationary the whole time.
0: <laughs> the horse is just there, minding his own business. The ice cracks under it. Yeah. And they decide, oh, fuck's sake, right, let's go yeah. and save and the then horse. And literally,
2: it, the, the screen like pans to them outside the, a diner where they've just parked the horse outside. <laughs>
0: They've Just parked the horse. Um, now at this point, we do pretty much solidify the turning character of Bill and Alvin. They decide to return their share of the uh of the wad that they've stolen. Um, we do next get the reveal from Dave and Alvin that Bill wasn't really wanted in New York at all. They'd set him up in order to wrangle him into this scheme because they needed him to pull off the heist. Um so understandably pissed off about the whole thing, Bill leaves. Um, I think it's fair to say I don't think it's fair to call this a twist. Uh, we know from the first yeah. six, seven minutes in the film that Dave is a compulsive liar Yeah, as they tell us. so I, th- I think it's fair to say we saw this coming.
2: And Bill flips the table in the diner. He does.
0: He does flip a table. With his
2: hog. <laughs> I
0: mean, I didn't see him use he his actually, hands.
2: He actually just stood up and clearly
1: caught his hog on the table. And this and the table did an absolute 540.
0: I mean from what I know about Nicolas Cage that he refuses to act unless he's fully erect. He's never acted flaccid in any scene in his life. Um so he storms out. Now unknowingly ends up getting into a car. Again, sort of Right place but wrong time. It knowingly gets into a car with Vic and Caesar. It's just
2: there? Why <laughs> There? Getting fuel?
0: His mother's locked in the trunk. Um So it's like so he says to him, Look, um, I'm heading into paradise as well. Let's just get out of here. They end up um comparing pictures of mothers.
1: Yeah, have you ever done that with like an Uber driver or or anything? Have you ever just got uh, your wallet
2: out and started like sh- or go go over your phone and started showing pictures of, of your mom? Also, they were just in a canoe, so that would have been all wet and damaged. You know I mean, the, the yeah. continuity of the film is is unacceptable. Really,
0: <laughs> they dried off quick in that diner. Yeah, it <laughs>
2: it's, it's really long
1: and where's, heavy coats where's the horse the horse has gone this oh, oh but wait because it's, it's going to come back I, I believe
0: I think the horse no the horse does come back um, after the car scene it's Bill shows a picture of his mother to Caesar that's they realise that's who they've got in the boot and so Bill is who they're looking for uh, Bill dodges a gunshot yeah. a point black reins uh, just rolls out of the car and then conveniently as he jumps out, Dave and Alvin just rock up on, the on, horse on Merlin. Thing. Yeah,
1: like, how do they? I'm lost for words. How that happened? It's just so convenient.
0: Is I think convenience is just one of the key words of this film. It's inconvenient as an audience member, but for them, they luck is on their side in a way that you've yeah. never. Experienced, um, yeah. so they do try to return the money to the bank. Uh, I think they said earlier that Bill still happened to have the bank keys on him, mm-hmm. um, but they end up setting off the alarms, so instead, they drop the money off at a nearby church with a letter, um. We don't outright see what's written on the letter until someone reads it a bit later on. Yeah. But they're, they're hiding behind this like a a mound of snow, completely visible, not yeah. hidden at all.
1: And it wasn't even that far away from where they opened the door, right? Like the yeah. person opening the door would clearly look up to see who was just ten seconds ago knocked on the door. You'd look yeah. up and they were definitely visible. Definitely. Three grown men, about five metres away, behind like a bush or or wall or something, with their heads bopping up, up and down.
0: I think it's concealed by the potato shavings, again. Perhaps so. I think, the sh- again, shavings are the great equaliser, so but they they don't want to be seen because they don't want people to know that they stole it in the first place.
1: Yeah, and to be fair, he had just opened his door to an absolute wad all over the floor.
0: I mean, honestly, for a minute, I thought the priest's... Might have just took it and then had his own way with it. had A little rager of his own. But he's 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 done the right thing because um, he, he does drop it off at the police station later on. Mm. Um, now, the furpoughs end up getting held hostage by Vic and Caesar. They sort of rock up again. Then everyone gets held hostage at the Andersons' house. We get all the characters that have had any lines in this film now all back in the house. Um, Bill sees his mother um, and very dramatically just falls onto his knees and is like, Mom! Like, reaching out for her uh, very dramatically. Again, his mother not bothered at any of this that's happening. Um, She's been through a lot. She's been through a lot. When, When you raise three furpos, then... You're absolutely ready for all eventualities. Um, At the same time, though, the police have also cottoned on to Vic and Caesar, and they have the house surrounded. Whilst the police are formulating their sort of schemes, um, we do finally get that confession from Dave that he did concoct the entire thing. He fabricated the letter from Vic, and this was all his doing all he's doing, lol. all he's doing. Um, this is what I was sort of thinking as well, because you know, by this point, as inconsistent as as it has been, at least with Bill and Alvin, we have seen a minuscule amount, but some character development. They've wanted to turn around and do better because of the kindness they've been shown. From day dot, Dave has been a knobhead, and I'm going to put that out there. Truly? I mean, I don't know... In terms of character, kind of like your thoughts on Dave, who just hasn't done much?
1: I'll be honest, my focus after 10 minutes was purely off Dave and Alvin. Yeah. Purely because I was just so irritated.
0: They are, again, they are difficult characters to warm up to. Yeah. Um, Think Bill's the one who you're supposed to see has these redeeming qualities, but it's literally the forcing right at the end that we see that they come round. Um, then the police suddenly raid the house. I think they're throwing in smoke bombs and tear gas, but everyone is absolutely fine about the whole thing. Um, you bastard! Um... And I think uh, the two store clerks they try to claim the victory on this, uh, but they're told swiftly to get get the fuck out of here. So then, with everything seemingly resolved, the uh, the FBI, uh, the guy's in charge of the case. So I think is the only guy who has any form of sense or awareness in the film. He's like, look. I know it's you three. I know you're behind this. Uh, but then the townspeople just decide to chip in and withhold information from the FBI. Mm. Not help them at all. Um they say, oh no, we we don't know anything about the the robbery, we didn't see him, they weren't there. Even the store clerks sort of turn around and realise they can incriminate themselves. Um then the pastor turns up with the stolen money, and the FBI basically has to let the, the fur pose go due to a lack of evidence. So, justice and proper hogging has prevailed once again. Um, and I think we've got the one scene left, but at this point, with sort of the film 98% wrapped up, I think we're all winding down as audience members. What was what was your mind frame at this point with the, with the the police station situation? Nothing. I think that's fair though because two hours in, I did find myself looking at my watch a few times. The
2: best thing that came out of this for Bill is that he stayed behind for Sarah.
0: Yeah. He did. David Alvin...
2: He was always gonna.
0: Yeah. He was always gonna.
1: As as, as I said before, as soon as you saw her, you knew he had one thing on his mind.
0: From the moment that he called his brother mentally retarded, he knew she was the one. Yeah. And that's a love story to tell the kids. How did you meet? By insulting my, my brother's disability. And it's been love ever since. Um, so now Dave and Alvin they return to New York with the mother Bill remains in paradise to raw dog Sarah um, as then the credits finally start to roll and trapped in paradise so Christmas is saved hogging memories are made
1: and he gets that sweet paradise (laughs) puss
2: yeah
0: Christmas saved, memories made Paradise Puss it's an absolute parade
2: Merry Christmas
0: <laughs> so I think it's fair to say in the middle of September Merry Christmas <laughs> the three wise men have done it again um, but I, I, I think to look back to what we said I think it's fair to say between the two of you you did not enjoy this film
2: no, not at all. No, um, yeah, I wouldn't encourage anyone to watch that <laughs> at all. No, I
1: wouldn't, and I wouldn't even say if you're after anything decent from Cage to watch it.
2: For honest, I would, the only reason I'd ever watch it is for like technical reasons of what how not to do a film.
0: Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, one of the renowned critics of our time, Roger Ebert, did describe this film as, and I quote, "creative desperation."
2: Great way to sum up.
0: Um, someone else called it well I was looking on Rotten Tomatoes for the for the ratings of this because it got 10% based on 20 reviews one described it as critical desperation one described it as not so great and there was also a quote not available um, so we could also find itself as well on uh, no less than 6 year end worst of lists Correct. as well I think 2 out of 3 of us here agree with that opinion. Um, How about yourself?
1: What do you think of it? Uh,
0: I don't think it's going to go down as one of the classic Cage films. Even some of his technically worse films, I think, are better from a, from a cagey standpoint. Mm. I don't think it's going to go down as one of the classic Christmas films. Um, I think there are better Christmas films out there, focusing on bad characters. Uh, bad Santa, probably a prime example of it. Uh, the Grinch, if you want to look for character development about Steven stuff and then giving it back Absolutely. and also hogs growing three sizes in one day mm-hmm. um, but with that said and that done I think that brings us to the end of episode 22 of Cage Rager Nicholas Cage Podcast uh, I thank once again Frederick Horatio Holmes and Joe Horatio Beneficious
1: Are we going to give um, a cage rating each?
0: If you'd like uh-huh. to. I mean I mean I'm is, I'm gonna settle on a bronze.
1: Okay. Is there anything below bronze?
0: Uh not on my official rating, which is the one
2: chocolate coin.
0: A chocolate cage. A chocolate coin. <laughs> a chocolate a chocolate coin. <laughs> Look, I invite you into this podcast and you've just disrespected me at the final hurdle.
1: I I, I guess I would if I was sticking to to your scale, I'd have to give it a bronze cage, but it's it's mm. it's definitely truthfully one of the worst films I've ever seen. Um,
0: well, just consider that I do this every week, oh, but and this, this, this is know, it's,
2: it's not it's it's all part of the journey. It's, it's all part of the journey. You've
0: got to you know go for the bad patches to get to the good patches. Um,
2: I've had fun. Oh, it's been really good yeah. and uh, thanks for having us on mate it's been, it's been, a, it's been a pleasure experience, and there's some great films coming up get um, excited more and yeah
0: so thank you for joining me on the journey to true cage nirvana I hope you, hope, hope you feel in some way a little more enlightened uh, the train rumbles on as we look to episode 23 we look to the future a non-Christmas related film Uh, as ever, you can find me on Twitter at cage underscore podcast, Instagram at cage rage pod. We are on Spotify now. Also, you can find the show on Amazon Music, Stitcher, and Podchaser. Uh, So, four times the cage, four times the hog, and that's what we all live for on this podcast. Uh, But until then, keep on, keep on caging. Uh, Bye. Yeah, I'll do it.